Hello and welcome to Inside the Squad, a community outreach podcast brought to you by the Lafayette Police Department in Lafayette, Indiana. Inside the Squad is hosted by Lieutenant Scott Galloway and Specialist Shauna Wainscott of the Community Outreach and Crime Prevention Unit within the department. We discuss all topics related to the day-to-day operations of the Lafayette Police Department, and we feature interviews with officers and other public safety personnel who want to give you an inside look at law enforcement. Our goal is that you find this podcast interesting and informative, and we hope you enjoy today's episode. Welcome to this edition of Inside the Squad. My name is Scott Galloway. I'm a lieutenant in crime prevention, community outreach, and this is a podcast we do on a monthly or bi-monthly basis to keep people informed of what we're doing here in Lafayette, the police department. So as always, we have Lieutenant Brian Gossard. How's it going today, Brian? Going well. And you just got back from a vacation. How'd that go? Yeah, I flew in last night, so a little tired, but uh, glad to be here. And you missed the last podcast. We, we missed you on the uh, Sagamore and South shutdown, but glad to have you back. And today uh, we also have Patty Payne, uh, who's the director of our podcast. How's it going today, Patty? Going great. How are you doing? Very well. And our special guest today is Kathy Rush, and she's a VIPS, which is a volunteer in police service. And before we get into that, Brian, if you could tell us a little bit of the history of the VIPS program, and before we talk to Kathy and, and get some answers what she does, tell us a little bit about VIPS. So VIPS uh, was, was started several years ago. Um, it's, it's a way for people in the community to volunteer their time to uh, help us do our jobs. So we used to have a reserve program uh, where we employed uh, volunteer officers, and that kind of morphed into um, you know, having citizens come in and do uh, in-house type of work. So it's a very important program, and it's rewarding. We have several VIPs on board, and one of them is Kathy Rush. And how's it going today, Kathy? It's fine, thank you. If, if you wouldn't mind just giving us a few minutes of uh, background of yourself, where you were raised, where you worked at. I know you're retired now, and kind of what you do here. Well, I've been a Lafayette resident for about 30 years. I've got three grown children and four grandchildren and several grand pets uh, that I claim. I've recently retired from SIA after uh, 20 years in production control, and I'm giving uh, part of my time now is uh, to volunteer for the Lafayette Police Department. And when, when did you start doing the volunteering? I started, I attended a Citizen Academy back in 2005, and that's when the VIPS program was just getting started because of the 9-11. Um, President Bush um, wanted uh, a Citizens Corps started, and the volunteers in police services was one of them. And I was one of the first two people that was asked to volunteer for the Lafayette Police Department. So what kind of uh, tasks do you do on a daily basis? Well, I started doing pawn tickets when I first started in 2005. And the officers used to do it, but the, they decided that they could be spending time out on the street. And so I started doing pawn tickets, entering that. And what, what's the purpose of the uh, entering pawn tickets into our system? It helps to track for any, like, potential stolen items or anything that looks strange that goes through for the detectives. And there's also been a couple times where you've caught people that uh, were actively committing crimes, um, notified the detectives they were able to follow up and actually make arrests, correct? Yes. Uh, there was a couple times where... It, it didn't come up a stolen, but just the activity looked strange, and I sent it up to the detectives, and they were able to make a case from that, and it developed into an arrest. Fantastic. Now, Kathy, how many hours a week do you 
give to volunteering at the police department? When I started, the requirement was eight hours a month, and right now I'm up to between 15 and 20 hours a week. And what keeps bringing you back? Why do you like doing this so much? That I mean, you're a huge asset to the police department. I love that it keeps me thinking during my retirement. It keeps my brain active. I'm working with great people and just the um, doing the detail and, and solving problems and figuring things out and that I'm helping people and help the detectives do what they need to do. So you mentioned something uh, earlier about going through the Citizens Academy. Um, and, you know, we get a lot of our volunteers from the Citizens Academy. What was your experience with that? And, uh, you know, how did that prompt you into wanting to volunteer your time? Just because it was starting and I, I learned a lot from the Citizens Academy and everything that they did. And it was just a way, um, it was a new opportunity that presented itself. And I just took advantage of it and was lucky enough to be one of the first two that was asked. Now, um you say the hours that you work here. Where do you physically work at in the police department? Do you have your own office, a computer, or where do you typically spend your time? I have an, an, a space allocated to me in the crime prevention office where I have my own computer, and I'm allowed to come in pretty much uh, the hours that I want, as early as I want. And I try to work about four hours at a time when I come in and um, to get everything done. So when the detectives or lieutenants, you guys, whoever come in, I have things already done and sent to you to be able to take care of that day. Now, one thing we want to talk to you specifically about today was um, obviously being a VIP, and um, which I would call a very important person, not just a volunteer, uh, the true meaning of VIP, but uh, is the false alarm reduction program. And that is your bailiwick, right? The, being in charge of false alarms. You're the administrator of that program. I would almost give it that level. So can you talk a little bit about the false alarm program and and what it is? Okay. Um, The false alarm program was started back in July of 2015 as part of the um, newly established community outreach division. And it's my job to, as false alarms, I monitor the false alarms and look for things that might be um, unusual or um, different or and help uh, like if a a citizen comes in they said hey this we'd like to get a waiver of this Um, citizens are allowed three waivers in a calendar year and I just go through and research those and and then send it to the lieutenants for approval most of your job is you know keeping the department moving there's a lot of things that you do clerically uh, and that includes the, the you know, false alarms. Um, there's a lot of administrative work that goes into those, um, and you keep those. I keep a keep database. Track of those. I keep a database of all of the false alarms, so I can watch for trends and problems. And you know, there was one gentleman um, that I knew was elderly. I noticed that there on every Monday. For three Mondays in a row, there was an alarm, and it was always between 6 and 6.10 in the morning. And it was able – we sent it on to the lieutenants, and they went out and investigated. And the gentleman was actually – had been transferred to an extended care facility and wasn't even there. And the garbage people were, st- were still coming and picking up the garbage and triggering the alarm. So they were able to talk to the uh, gentleman's uh, children, and they got the garbage service stopped and the false alarm stopped. So in, in the crime prevention office, we get a lot of phone calls um, almost daily of getting, getting these bills from uh, Iowa. What's the company in Iowa that is, are sending these bills? CryWolf is the company that has been um, is monitoring the um, 
sending out of the invoices for the alarms. They get a, they download it. We download a file from the police department every day that has that, and then they process it into their database and send out the bills and, and monitor payments and late fees accordingly. We've partnered with them to monitor the alarms and first thing people do when they see that letter from Des Moines, Iowa, uh, on behalf of the city of Lafayette, they think, oh, it's a scam. We've gotten several phone calls about that. Um, but those are legitimate bills. Um, and that's just to alert the person, um, not only, you know, broken the, uh, the city ordinance, but, uh, you know, we want to be using our resources effectively and efficiently and, Every false alarm that comes in has to be responded to by at least two officers. So that's what we're trying to do. And, Kathy, do you have any data or any stats that show kind of how this has been effective, the reduction in alarms and the reduction in time that officers spent going to places where there's not a need for them? Yes. Um, beginning back in 2014, when I have numbers established, we had a, approximately 240 calls in a month. And in 2017, we are now averaging down to 139 calls a month, which is a decrease of around 42% in calls, which means the officers now are spending more time doing other things. And so that's 139 false alarms. Correct. So we're still, if you think about it in terms of, it's been a big decrease, but look how much we were doing before. Still, that's a lot of hours by two officers, 139 times a month they're going to something that is just a sensor that's not right or a code that's put in wrong. Am I, am I reading that right? Um, yeah, and it can be a number of things. Um, it can be a number of things that um, making sure that people, well, that their alarm companies call the people first and call their contact list first before they call the police department. That helps save, uh, cut down on calls, making sure their equipment is properly maintained, making sure the sensitivity of all their sensors has been maintained. And I've also recently found out that the elderly that have trouble seeing the keypad and punching in the numbers can get a remote and can use a remote to turn their alarms on and off, and that'll help save false alarms also. Yeah, that's fantastic. So the first thing they need to do, people, if they're starting to get these false alarms, um, contact their alarm company and see what they can do to help reduce those. Right. And Kathy, can citizens get a hold of the ordinance that talks about what they're allowed as far as uh, false alarms? Yes. In the city municipal code, there is a, um, it's an 11.03.010 that has a definition of all the false alarms and what the as far as the what the fine, uh, the first three are twenty five, the next three are fifty, the next three are a hundred, and then from then on it's two hundred. And it also talks about requesting a waiver that the, the, you can request up to three waivers in a calendar year. And those are all posted online. I use the resource MuniCode M U N I C O D E dot com, and uh, all of our city ordinances are post- posted on there. And Kathy, you kind of talked about the pay or the uh, fine schedule of uh, twenty-five, then fifty, and this is not um, an ordinance to make money for the city. Is that's the way I understand this? It's we're not trying to punish people or trying to make money. We're trying to reduce the alarms, and this is the best way to do that. Have you seen? Yes, that's the reason behind this. Absolutely, and our goal is when the citizens contact us that we are helping them to reduce the number of false alarms that they have. It's not up to us to make money. We want to help the the community. Thanks, Kathy, for for enlightening us on what VIPs are. Again, I'll say it's a very important person 
as opposed to a volunteer and police service. But uh, uh, we appreciate you being here. You're the administrator of this program. It's been successful. And uh, thanks for being on our podcast this morning. Thank you. Too uh, often we get uh, to pull Kathy into the spotlight. Yes. She, we, we've tried several times, and uh, it's uh, it's hard to do. Uh, she's very humble, and we just want to thank her for her, her time she's put in. Absolutely. Brian, is there any way people who are interested in the VIPS program can get information? Yeah, the best way is uh, we detail uh, you know more about what the VIPS do and uh, upcoming Citizens Academy on our website. And if there's um, if you have any questions about uh, how to get involved, uh, the best way to do is go to LafayettePolice.us. And you can also contact me um, via uh, the show notes. We'll put our uh, my email address in there. If you want to get an application, we can get that to you as well. And how do we how do you reach us? Podcast.lafayette.in.gov. So um, that does it for our August podcast. Make sure you're joining uh, us on Nixle. Text Lafayette PD at 888-777. Join us on Twitter and hit us on uh, Nextdoor, too. We're trying to really drive those programs. So make sure that you're um, hitting us on our social media sites. And see you next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of Inside the Squad from the Lafayette Police Department in Lafayette, Indiana. Be sure to check out past episodes and subscribe for new ones on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have a question for the show, you can email it to podcast at lafayette.in.gov or connect with us on Nextdoor, Twitter, and on our website, lafayettepolice.us. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on Inside the Squad.